Now, we're hanging out this uh, summer in a book in the Bible called First John. It was written by the Apostle John to some churches probably near Ephesus uh, who were going through it. Uh, they had been infiltrated by some false teaching. And, and so he, he kind of writes five chapters on how they should walk or walk this way. Uh, the first portion of this we went through earlier in the year. We talked a lot about walking in the light, the truth that God's give us, given us and staying out of the, uh, the dark corners, the shade that the world uh, seeks to pull us into. Uh, this uh, last part of the book, uh, we're going to be talking more about walking in love. And I'll be entering into that a little bit more today. Uh, but what we're really going to be focusing on today is this phrase. You're good, keep walking. <laughs> uh, anybody ever been involved in the moving of a large piece of furniture uh, that... Uh, uh, people could not see around the corner as they were moving it. Anybody been on that couch? Uh, uh, anybody been the manager in that process? You know, your, your husband and your son maybe, or, or uh, your, your two sons, which is what I do now. I, guys, pick that up. Uh, it gets heavy. Oh, this is heavy. Hey, you're good. Keep moving. I don't know how to get it into the house. You're good. Keep moving. That's, those are my encouragements. Uh, this is the encouragement that God gives us through John. You're good. Keep moving in faith and not in doubt. We're going to talk today about doubt and assurance, the, the two sides of the coin uh, where we don't have control and we don't understand. We can either go one way or the other, towards faith, towards assurance, or towards doubt and disbelief. I'm just going to start reading. Everybody ready? We're in 1 John chapter 3, verse 19, if you're following along at home or in your Bibles here in the room. Uh, John starts with a, a connecting phrase. He says, by this, so we've got to figure out what he means by by this, but he says, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before God. That's who him is in that verse. He's talking about reassurance. He's talking about uh, us being sure that we are in the faith, that we are in the truth, that we are walking as Christians in life with Christ. Isn't that great that God allows us to be sure of that? Isn't that cool? Like, uh, um, and if you're kind of new to this uh, subject, um, we believe here that God pulls us out of life into life with him. And like it says in, in John, uh, he holds us in his hand and nothing can pluck us from the Father's hand. Isn't that great? That's an assurance for us, uh, those of us who walk in him. But he says, listen, uh, you who are following Jesus there in these churches that I'm writing to, uh, I want you to know there's, there's some ways that you can be assured uh, that you are walking in the truth. I, I like assurances. Anybody else like assurances? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the over-strapper guy. Here's what I mean by that. If I'm carrying something on the back of my truck, I got these like straps that I can put on there, and I overdo it. Does anybody else overdo it? Because I don't want to be like the guy that I was driving behind in my neighborhood the other day who I think was just on a short jaunt, you know, a short journey, and so he had basically on the top of his uh, back uh, of his pickup topper, he had stacked all this stuff. I do that sometimes. If I got a package that's left at the mouth of our driveway, I'll, I'll throw some stuff on the top of my topper. I'm just driving my house. No big deal. If it falls off, it's on me. Uh, but this guy was in traffic. Anybody been behind like that precariously loaded vehicle? And you're like, that thing's coming out. I don't care if you put a little rag on the end of that, buddy. It's going to come out on my car. Because you didn't tie it down well enough. I'm an overstrapper. I like assurances. Who's with me? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the woo. <laughs> he says, let me, let me give you some assurances. If you see these things, these are like the straps on the, on the Christ life that you're living. 
Uh, he says, buy this. And so we've got to figure out what buy this means. It's just some good Bible reading tools here. If you ever drop into a passage and it starts with a therefore or a so then or a buy this, you've got to go back. You've got to go figure out the context of what you're reading so that you can know what it says. And so we only have to go back a verse for us to know what the buy this is in verse 19. In verse 18, it says, little children. Uh, John liked to call his readers, his kids, his spiritual kids. Little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. If you are here last week, we talked about living generously, about loving lavishly, about loving as God loves. And, and, and he kind of winds up that little uh, bit on loving uh, with, with this little verse. He says, little children, here's what I'm telling to you. Let me summarize. Uh, let's not love in just word and talk. Talk a good game. Let's love in deed. And then he adds this little modifier. He says, let, let your love be seen in how you live and what you do. But let your love be, uh, you know, ruggered, steered by the truth. I, I keep coming back to this all the time with you guys as we preach together. I guess I'm preaching. You're listening. Whatever we're doing. Anyway, uh, we, we keep coming back to this, these two central things in the Christ life. Love and truth. If you want to know that you are following Christ, the fruit of that choice in your life will result in his love flowing out of you to a world that desperately needs it and his truth flowing into you and you sticking to your guns and the things that God has for us in his word. We need to love for real in visible, generous, unbending ways. We need to stay rooted in his truth. It's like a the two go together in, in, in in, in such a way that if, if they are absent one of the other, then you've got to ask the question, am I really with Jesus? And here's the point. Because Jesus is all truth, perfect truth, and all love, perfect love, if you're with him, that shows up in you. It's like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Anybody like PBJs? I love me some PB&J. I eat them uh, twice a year. I go on these uh, uh, golf outings with some friends, and it's the only time I eat peanut butter and jelly. But here's my experience with peanut butter and jelly. It's got some bread. We're just going to have that as a given. Okay, it's a sandwich. But then the ingredients in a peanut butter and jelly are peanut butter and jelly. Are you with me? I don't want to overstate the obvious, but that's kind of how it got its name. So if you come to me and say, I like peanut butter and jelly and pickles, first of all, weird. <laughs> Secondly, you're not eating peanut butter and jelly anymore because you've added something to it. If you come to me and say, I like peanut butter and jelly, but just not jelly. Okay, weird again. But you're not eating a peanut butter and jelly. Why? Because the ingredients of peanut butter and jelly are, one more time, what are they? Peanut butter and jelly. Oh, you guys are so smart. You're so good. You're great. Now, you can mess it up with the crunchy stuff. That's on you if you want to do that. Gross. I don't know what your problem is. But I will allow that you're still eating peanut butter and jelly if you're eating peanut butter. Okay. That's too much fun. My point is this. Christians are Christ carriers, Christ emulators. They are Christ representatives on the earth. And if you want to know that you're with Christ, you have this balance of his love and his truth flowing into you and out of you to the world around you. These are both really important, too. Let me just make sure we're clear on this, because some of you may have uh, heard of or come from churches that overemphasize one 
and not the other. So love. Let's love, love, love. Let's make sure we love, love, love. And let's not care as much about truth. And so we'll just make sure we love everybody, but we'll fall into all these errors, and it'll be the end of us as far as us following Jesus because it's not just love, it's truth, right? And then some of us, like me, came from churches where it was all about truth, and who cares if we love? In fact, let's hate other people who don't believe like we believe, right? And, and all of a sudden, we've, we've fallen into this era. We're all about doctrine, and we've lost the love that God has for his world. The two go together, peanut butter and jelly. All right. That's not even what I'm talking about. Here we go. You want to know? You want to be assured? You want some evidence that you are with Christ? Uh, it's shown in your love, in truth, and in deed. I love uh, when I start studying on Mondays, which is when I usually start the next sermon. I love uh, reading the text and asking questions of it. It's good Bible study tools. Again, and, and one of the questions I ask is, why is John writing this? Well, why does John include this in the flow of what he's talking about? Is he's talking about love and how we should express love? Why does he talk about reassurance all of a sudden? And the answer to that is pretty simple. Um, this church that he's writing to or the churches that he's writing to are in crisis. And here's why. People who had grown up with them, had chosen Jesus at the, at the same time as them, as, uh, who had grown under John's leadership and the leadership of others in the church, had started listening to some other ideas outside of the church, and they had brought those ideas into the church, and they were, um, as, as John refers to them, false teachers. They were messing with the truth. One of the ways that they were messing with the truth is that said, they said it was entirely okay for you to hate. In fact, if anybody disagrees with you, go ahead and hate them. That's the right thing to do. I'm so glad we live in a world where that's not the case anymore, right? But, but this is what was happening in God's church. These little children, as, as John refers to them uh, uh, there in uh, verse 18, these faith toddlers uh, were getting hammered because people that they not just had shared a church with, but probably in that town had grown up with and, and, and they were in family with and and had been friends of for all their lives, were starting to teach something that was completely separate from the things that John had instilled, the truth that they'd been given from the beginning. And it was tense. I love them. Maybe I should believe like them and go with them. But wait, I was taught this, and this doesn't jive with this. That's not jelly at all, right? I need to stay over here, but oh. And the whole thing amounted to a lack of assurance. In my own faith, a lack of insurance in what I know to be true, uh, doubt is what we call it. And so John addresses it. Uh, this is kind of a sermon sidebar, but it reminded me that churches can be tough on Christians. <laughs> it's always been this way. We talked last week, if you go back in your Bibles in chapter 3, he uses Cain and Abel as an example of what not to do when it comes to love, Okay. It's a good one. If you don't know the story of Cain and Abel, they're two brothers. They're the sons of Adam and Eve. Uh, Cain kills Abel. Spoiler alert. Cain kills Abel. It's the first murder on record in human history. Uh, does everybody remember where the problem arose between Cain and Abel? In a worship service. The two guys had been uh, told, you know, uh, however it happened, to, to come and bring uh, sacrifices to God. Um, Cain brought a bogus one. Abel brought a good one. Cain got ticked off that Abel's was accepted and his was rejected, and it led to the first murder, all starting at church. Maybe you've grown up in that church where maybe not per, you know, murder was perpetrated, but the people going to that church got so sideways with each other uh, that the children of God 
didn't act like him at all, split the church, disillusioned the sheep, and led to people uh, walking away from the faith altogether. Why? Had a bad experience at church. If I had a, a dollar for every, oh, that's, that's a dumb idiom, but, if, but it happens all the time that people end up here after many years away because my church home hurt me. But it's not just churches. We can't just lay all the blame at the feet of the, the churches that uh, we've been a part of. Um, uh, certainly, our enemy seeks to uh, undermine us at our very core, where the, the most of us are gathered. If he can mess this up, he can mess things up out there. Everybody gets that, right? So you should pray for your pastors. You should pray for us as the body of Christ to stay unified and rooted in the truth. Because if this goes south... Everybody who's like, you know, God, I might give him a chance because Bay Life's cool. If we go south, they go south. Are you with me? That's where our enemy loves to camp. But how does he love to get us off of our message, off of our truth? He loves to fan the flames of doubt in our hearts. That's how he got humans off in the first place, right? Adam and Eve. He, he slides up to Eve in the garden. He's like, he just asks questions. Did God really say? That's a doubt question. Did God really say you can't? He didn't. But he got Eve thinking, well, maybe, maybe this is a raw deal. Maybe God is trying to prohibit. Maybe this is what I should do instead of what God said. He, since the beginning of humans, up until us, that's our enemy's ploy. He, he tries to get us into doubt. Discouraged. Derailed. Disillusioned. Uh, he does it, uh, certainly, uh, can happen in churches, but he does it everywhere. Um, I think it's uh, uh, tougher in the world that we live in now for kids to, like, head off to school and not be indoctrinated in things that are contra God. Uh, their peers, certainly our government, is, is kind of shifting things away from the things that we would hold to be true as followers of Jesus Christ. And it's, it's becoming, uh, it's always been a pressure you know, packed situation, but it's becoming younger and, 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 and more uh, intense uh, that these messages are kind of hitting our kids. We saw them all on the screens, young and innocent, telling, you know, catch-up jokes and stuff like that. Uh, but they're, they're going to, these kids are going to go through the grinder of, why don't you believe this? This is what's right. I used to say it was middle school where all that started. I think it's before that now. Certainly middle school, absolutely high school. And don't even get me started on our kids going to these, you know, colleges where certain professors just, you know, stand up like I would. They're preaching, but they're, you know, a chemistry professor. They're just, you know, every once in a while giving you 10 minutes on why you're an idiot if you believe in a God. And so all these messages, don't, don't, and man, the internet, come on. Our kids who have grown up in the faith can deep dive any atheist or, and, and, and they, there's all this stuff out there. That basically just says, come on, don't believe that stuff. It's archaic. It's limiting. It's big, you know, bigotous, bigotous, whatever the word is. So people leave. People have doubts. Maybe you've had them. Maybe you are currently having them. I'm not going to have you raise your hand if that's you. But just, you know, for fun. Anybody know someone who's had doubts, and at this point in their life, they've kind of walked away from things that were foundational faiths in their lives. Anybody know someone like that? They were in the church, and they're out. They were with Jesus, and they're not. Yeah? You related to them? 
Are you going to go home and hang out with them after this? And it gets hard, you know, like uh, uh, we've talked openly about, you know, what's happening in our home. Our kids are kind of in this phase or doubting some things. And it's hard on us. Like, like I had a period of my life uh, where, where I was just kind of asking the bigger questions of senior in high school. And that was just my, you know, time for doing this. And, and so I just said, you know what, I'm going to put a pin in this whole God thing and kind of check everything else out. Came back, what's up, how you doing, I'm your pastor, what's going on, right? But that was my deal. I wasn't ready for how this would feel as a father to watch, you know, children that I love uh, make choices that I don't agree with. Uh, Dark night of the soul. Uh, I pray it never happens to you if it hasn't yet. But I started having questions in my own faith based on what I was seeing happen in my kid's faith journey. I'm okay now. How's it going? Confident that God is enough. This is a common occurrence. I'll just close this little part of our sermon together with uh, an email that I got just this week. Good evening, Pastor Mark. Uh, Writing this evening as I really have nowhere else to go. What do you do when you are on fire for God and want to go deeper in your relationship with him, but your family isn't quite there? It's like I'm being uh, being made to feel guilty for the faith that is welling up and catching fire in me. I've been here before, this person writes, but the fire always seems to die down, and I go into this Christian Alzheimer's syndrome. <laughs> thought that was interesting. And forget everything that I once held to be true. I don't want to go down that road this time. I need, I need to learn how to live my life, uh, you know, with God, on fire, not feeling guilty about it, and still be able to share with my family, even as they're pushing uh, me further away. He, he says a bunch of other stuff. Um, but he ends his email to me, and he says, any ideas on how I should proceed, thoughts, suggestions, would be greatly appreciated. I do have an idea or two, a couple thoughts, a few suggestions today. I'm going to take it all from what we read from John. But let me summarize before we go further in this passage today uh, what I'm going to say to you. As we face the doubts, the, the tempter comes against us and, and, and seeks to divide us and, 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 and cloud our minds with you know, questions and doubts. Um, here's what I want you to remember today. I, uh, my wife wrote it down and put it on our fridge. It's where I, uh, we have the picture of it today. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, it's right there. Uh, Eleanor's hand. Everything I cannot change and can't understand, I put in God's hands. Uh, she quoted M. Saunders, who I thought was my mom. My mom's name is my Van Wee. Uh, and so that's an M. And so I was like, oh, cool. Eleanor and mom had a conversation on the phone. Uh, and uh, that's, you know, where she got this quote. And then I talked to Eleanor about it this morning. She's like, no, that's you, dummy. Anyway, uh, <laughs> apparently I said this like three weeks ago. She didn't call me a dummy. Probably thought it. But uh, she, uh, uh, three or four weeks ago I said this in a sermon. Uh, and just to show how fallible we are and how, um, you know, <laughs> broke we are when it comes to uh, memories and how doubt can seep in. Uh, I didn't remember you saying this. But I still agree with it. Good quote, Mark. Way to go. Anyway, um, It's a summary, I don't know if this is what I was preaching, but it's a summary of what Solomon told his sons in the book of Proverbs. Uh, He gets going, he talks about how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in chapter 1. He he gives them all kinds of tips, and then he kind of summarizes. He gets to chapter 3 and uses these verses. Maybe they're on a coffee cup at your house. They're certainly some of the most well-known verses in the whole book of Proverbs. He says this, verse uh, 5 and 6 and 7 of Proverbs chapter 3. Let's read it together. Can you read it together with me? Let me, uh, let me hear you now. Don't be like the first service where it's like, meh, 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 meh. let me hear you all together. Ready? 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. This next verse we don't always remember. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Yeah. Uh, this, this message is throughout the Bible, over and over again. Hey, trust God. Don't trust you. We're going to read that today in 1 John, in your own thoughts, in your own heart. Don't trust what everybody else is saying for sure. Just go to him. He's the source of truth. Lean not on your own understanding. David writes it this way in Psalm 46. Be still, God says to him. Be still and know that I am God. Slow down. Clear out the clutter. Take a pill. Take a, no, don't take a pill. Take a moment. <laughs> That's an idiom. You know what I meant. Anyway, just settle down, cowboy. And know that I am God. I say this all the time to myself, to my kids, to you. God's got this. Lean not on your own understanding. Take your doubts to him. Okay, this next part. Uh, we got an elder meeting tomorrow night. I hope this isn't my last Sunday. Uh, but, the, yeah. but this next part. Uh, I was inspired by it yesterday. And this, as I was trying to try to figure out how to you know, talk to you about doubt and faith and how do we handle this, um, I, I, Eleanor and I went to Alderman Ford yesterday, took our dog Toby for a walk. It was uh, right before the rain and right after the rain, so it was really nice, kind of cool out there. And, uh, and we're starting out. Have anybody been to Alderman Ford or a state park of any kind? Has anybody been on the earth? Anyway, all right. Uh, uh, we started walking down this trail, and the first thing we see on this trail is this pole. It's got this green box on the top of it and a sign next to it with dogs. And, and this warning that if your dog, you know, does what dogs do uh, on this walk, you're going to kill alligators. I'm summarizing, but that's basically what it said. And, and so uh, I don't need to know who's with me on this. Uh, the whole pick up after your dog thing is kind of new to me. I'm not the best at it, right? Especially my little 12-pound dog. It's like, who cares? But uh, <laughs> if, you're, if you're more like Eleanor, who is like, oh, yes, we need to save the alligators, you went out. Uh, and, and you grabbed a bag. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? This isn't the actual bag. This is just the Publix. It'll work, though. Has anybody used one of these? That's why we keep them. Um, and, and humans, I think dogs must be laughing at us all the time because humans go up after a dog, and, and we're the toilet. We just pick it up. And... But I was thinking as I was watching this, this has a, um, something to teach us about doubt and faith because here's the deal. <laughs> doubt... I didn't have, like, you know, the anatomically correct. This is just a glasses case. But doubt's kind of like the poo that we clean up. And some of you are like, he just said poo. It's in your Bible, just so we're clear, right? It says in Philippians 3, uh, as Paul is describing his life uh, before Christ, he says, I did all these things. And he says, you know what? I count them all rubbish. And they clean it up for you. They call it rubbish. What it really is is the product of your intestines. It's the Greek for, uh, you know, poo. It's scubula. You can check it out. Tell me if I'm wrong. That's the part that might get me. But I'm in the, I think I'm on safe ground because it's in the Bible. Are you with me? So I was like, what is doubt in life? It's excrement. It's poo. It's not true. It's not. Now, listen, and all of us struggle with it. It's part of being fallible and, and making mistakes. But, but doubts aren't true. They're just these things that kind of, you know, we step in from time to time. This is where it breaks down. 
Well, we, we, we just kind of find ourselves in them. And what God wants from us, I'll hurry this up for everybody who's uncomfortable. And if I see you next week, great, it worked out. Anyway, uh, face the bag. Because here's my experience. There's going to be more doubts in my life. Each one of them I'm going to have to deal with. As they arise, as they arrive. And I have a choice when it comes to the doubts of my life. I can just sit, you know, sit in them, wallow in them, allow them to continue in my life, or I can be responsible. And I can take my faith and wrap it around my doubts. On the dog walk, you're supposed to take this bag and deposit it in the, in the can. But in the faith walk, you just take it to the throne of God and you say, here's another one. I don't know how it popped up in my heart. I don't know what to do with it. Uh, this particular one's tougher than the other ones. I need your help. I'm going to leave it with you and by faith trust you. In the things that I can't control and in the things that I can't understand, I take by faith those things to my God. How do I best do that? How do I have faith in moments of my doubt? That's where John goes next here in 1 John 3. His encouragement to his friends, the little children, is to trust the expert. Anybody got an expert in their life? Someone that they trust in certain parts that you're not as good at? I've talked to you in the past about my friend Osha. His real name's Dennis. Uh, but he's just whiz-bang when it comes to fixing things. And so um, he, he doesn't live on this side of town anymore. But when he did... Uh, the first thing when something broke in my house is I was on the phone to him. Can you come over? Help me, please. Who's heard me preach before? Anybody know how things go when I try to tackle stuff on my own? Not well. If you're new to us, I'm not handy. But OSHA is. And I'll tackle anything if he's over my shoulder. Let's go. Experts. We love them in life spiritually. There's but one expert that we need to go to. He's the Father, our God. Look what it says again in verse 19. By this, that whole truth and love stuff, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever, and then he goes on, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Love this verse. Takes a little unpacking, but, it, but what it's basically saying is, listen, here's what we can know is going to happen in our uh, human feebleness, our, our fallibility, our failures, is that we're going to run into stuff and not know we're going to want to phone a friend, find an expert, you know, uh, do something that can help. But, but we're not going to know. And in those moments, our hearts, our own hearts will condemn us. Isn't that crazy? In, in the Old Testament, it tells us that the heart is desperately wicked, right? That, that left to uh, uh, ourselves, an unregenerate heart, an ungod-filled heart is just going to, you know, head in wrong ways all the time. And, and if you've ever dealt with depression, I know that's chemical in lots of ways. I'm not... Please hear me. I'm not skipping out on all that stuff. But if you've ever helped, uh, dealt with depression or disillusionment or doubt on any level, it's just endemic to the human condition. It's just who we are. We don't know everything. And where we don't know everything, we can go one way, faith, or the other way, doubt. And when we find ourselves in our hearts in, in condemning our own lives with these doubts that we uh, are thinking or feeling, what John says is that we should go to God who is greater than our heart, God who knows everything. We need to trust him over our own understanding of ourselves. Let him have the say-so. Why? Because he's the expert on us. 
Now, I love that he, he brings the power of God into this. He's greater than. What a great byline for the Bible. If you want to have a, the Bible, God is greater than. Yes, yeah, sin came into the world, made a mess, but God is greater than our sin. God is over all things. He is sovereign in every situation. So he's able, powerful enough to overcome the things that register in our hearts and in our minds. In Ephesians, Paul finishes a, a section uh, about this power of our God, and he says, now, to him, uh, verse 20 of uh, Ephesians 3, now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think, according to the power that he has at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Somebody say, amen. amen. Paul kind of wraps up there. Uh, pen pressed down a little bit harder, I think, as he was writing those words. Sharing with the Ephesians Christians, hey, this is my confidence. My God is able to do things that I can't even think, things that I, I, I can't even think to ask. He's able to do those things. He's powerful. Secondly, God knows everything. You see that in, in uh, verse uh, 20 of, of 1 John chapter 3. He's over everything, and he knows everything. God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows the situations that you're in farther than you can see. He knows. He can be trusted. So instead of your fears being, uh, you know, the voice that trumps your heart and mind, instead of your, uh, your doubts washing over you in life situations, Go with the guy who's got the power and the know-how. That's God. There's a story told that uh, uh, back in the, uh, the days where the first cars were rolling out off the assembly lines, uh, a, a, a man just bought his first car. He got a Model T, and he had been taught enough at the dealership how to start this thing, but um, hadn't learned how engines worked. I mean, can you imagine being back in those days where it's like many of us when computers first hit desks and we're still like, Whoa, you know, um, uh, that's what was going on with these cars. And so this car broke down, his cars will, and he's just sitting there. And he has no idea what to do with this thing. Doesn't know how the engine works, doesn't know anything. And so the story goes that a car pulls up behind him, sees his need. The man gets out and says, hey, man, uh, can I try? Can I see if I can help you out? It's like, yeah, I don't know anything here. And so the guy puts his head in the in the, in the trunk, starts messing around, and uh, he says, let's try that. And so he goes to the front and cranks it like they did back then. Uh, the car starts right up. And the man who had broken down turned to his Savior and said, oh, thank you so much. Can I get your name? Yeah, I'm Henry Ford. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. But I read it. It's on the Internet. It's probably true. Yeah, the maker of the car... Knows how it works. Uh, your maker knows how you work, understands you better than you can understand yourself. And so, um, God comes to us in our doubts, when our, when our hearts and our consciences condemns us, and he says, hey, man, I got you. I'm over this. I know about this. It's not unlike a dad teaching his kid to ride a bike. Anybody remember that day? Whether you were the kid or the dad? Yeah, uh, this is... Uh, Cohen Shepherd's bike. Thank you, Cohen, one more time. Uh, remember the day when the trading wheels came off? And it was the first day. I remember Eleanor and I both remember the first day that our oldest, Ben, uh, learned to ride his bike. It was a panic. 
Uh, he was just, he still is, kind of a nervous guy. He was a nervous kid. He was certain that he was going to fall down, break his arm, head to the ER. He was like detailing for us all these things that were going to happen. Great start, right? And so he's on his bike and he's kind of, and I was like, all right, I know how this works. I ride bikes. So, you know, turn your head towards me, kid. Listen to me. You're going to need to get going fast because everybody knows if this thing isn't going fast, it's hard to steer. Everybody agree? Who's riding a bike? And then once you do get going fast, you're going to freak out a little bit because it's faster than you're used to going. So you're going to have to hold on to that front thing and make sure you balance yourself. But that's how you do it. All right. If that's not enough, if my, my knowledge isn't enough, how about my presence? Here's the deal, buddy. For as long as it takes you to figure out how to do this on your own, I'm going to have my hand right here. And I'm going to have my other hand right here. And it's going to be a pain because I'm a big old dude running next to you. But I'm going to go with you as you learn how to do this. He finally got the message. All right, let's go. In the first few seconds of that, ah, ah, ah. I'm like, buddy, I'm right here. I got you. Don't forget pedal. Don't forget steer. And who remembers that moment where he's like, okay, okay. And then you let him go and you don't tell him. Remember that? <laughs> he's like, I think I got it. I think I got it. And he's a half block down the road and like, you got it. <laughs> ah! Right? <laughs> and that's how, I don't think, I know that's how God is with us. Hey, man, when the doubts come, I know they're scary. I know you don't know what to do. I don't know you feel powerless in the face of this. That's why you come to me, God says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge me. And I'll take you down the path. We'll figure this out. Let's go. Hmm. I am all over the place on my notes. Look at verse 21 of 1 John chapter 3. It says this. Beloved, he switches his nickname. He goes from little children to beloved agapatoi. He says, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. He says, here's the plus of you trusting in God and not feeling condemned in your own hearts. If you can get past that doubt, if you can get past that personal condemnation that we all wrestle with, then all of a sudden you have this confidence in, in the God who is greater than and knows better than to take you into whatever you're going to face in life. And who doesn't need that? Anybody know what's going to happen tomorrow? You don't. You got it scheduled out. Might not happen. Wouldn't it be better if we went to the one who's already been there, who has the power to control what happens there, who can lead us even though we don't understand through whatever comes up there? Isn't that better? John says, man, if you can just get past yourself, you can have this confidence in life with God. That'll just take you through whatever you face. I love the stories in the Bible where you see God's, um, uh, you know, working of confidence in the hearts of those who follow him, especially in the story of his son, Jesus. Anybody remember the story? There's this big storm and his friends are out in this boat. They all think they're going to sink and here comes Jesus walking on the water. Anybody remember this, this fisherman, Peter, who grew up on the water, right? Same Sea of Galilee that this ship was going down in. He grew up fishing it with his dad. And he understands the physics of water. You cannot walk on it. 
But he sees Jesus walking towards him, and he says this in Mark, Matthew 14. He says, hey, if that's you, Lord, I'm coming out. And Jesus says, let's dance, brother. And Peter, in confidence, steps out of a perfectly good boat and walks on the water in a storm by the power of the God who made him is over everything and who knows him, right? Does anybody remember what happens in that story? His focus, his confidence gets shaken. He sees the clouds, the storms, the waves. He takes his eyes off of Jesus. Pastors love preaching this thing. But it's exactly what happens. Remember what he says? He says to Jesus, Lord, save me. And Jesus was like, no, you should have trusted me. And he let him drown. The end. Does everybody remember that? Some of you are like, wow, really? You're new to the Bible. That's not what happened. Jesus reached out his arm and he pulls his friend out of the deep and he says, do you remember what he says to him? Oh, you of little faith. It's one of the only times this word in our English language appears in the Bible. Why did you doubt? He says, you had this opportunity. You could go with circumstances in yourself or you could go with me. And when you go with circumstances in yourself, that's doubt. That'll lead to the depths. But if you go with me, we can dance, brother. Hmm. We've got to cover this verse a little more carefully here. It says in verse 22, starting with verse 21 again, Beloved, if our, hearts does, does not condemn us, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Verse 22, one more time. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what he pleases. Now, there's certain people in the church who have taken verses like this and created a theology called prosperity theology. And they basically tell you, if you do everything that God tells you to do, he'll give you everything you ask for. He's like this big cosmic candy machine. You put your good works in, pull the knob, and he'll give you whatever you ask. I've actually been confronted by some of these people who, uh, uh, when my father was dying of cancer, wrote me letters saying, you know what, if you just had enough faith when you prayed, your father would be healed. And the fact that your father's dying of cancer is evidence that you're just not doing what he commands. And it was an email, so I couldn't punch him in the face. But <clears throat> what I wanted to do was spiritually, in love, punch them in the face because it is a lie that undercuts the truth of God's gospel. Everybody listen to me. He never promised us a free skate. Everybody in here, except that Jesus comes back, we're going to die. Sorry. It, it could be that he heals us many times before that day comes, and he already has in so many ways. His grace to us, if we sat down and tried to figure it out, it would boggle our minds. We'd just, we just, we couldn't do it. But understand that sin has brought consequences and, and death is one of them, and brokenness is one of them, and things not working is, is, is what happens in a world that's marred by sin. So what do these verses mean when they say, hey, if you keep us, it's not karma. He's not saying put the quarters in and, and what pray and what you want comes out. He's, he's basically saying this. This is so great. The verse before says, listen, if we can have confidence in God and get past our own dependence on ourselves, if we can truly just trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, then here's what happens. It transforms the things that we ask for. When I was praying with a brother uh, just before uh, the service started. Uh, he's going in for a cancer surgery. And, uh, and, and, of course, I prayed for his healing. 
His name's Paul. Everybody pray for Paul to be healed, okay? But here's how I pray for Paul or for you or for anybody who comes to me. God, I pray knowing fully that you have the power to completely heal this brother of mine. You can do it through the doctors if you want, or you could just have him show up to his next test and he'll be like, I don't know what happened, but the cancer's not here. God's got that, right? He's got that ability. He's got that power. And so, Lord, I ask you to do that, convinced that you can. But if it's your will for something else to happen, if it's, if it's in your grand scheme that things would not work out the way I prefer, because I am not trusting in myself, and because I trust in you and the circumstances of my life do not determine where I walk or where I am with you, because I want to be in step with you, I pray whatever your will is, God, and I will humbly accept it, even if I don't prefer it. That's why Jesus taught his disciples to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we get to the point in our lives where we're living in truth and in love, and we're walking in this confidence of trusting in God, that's the prayers that we'll pray. That's why it says there, hey man, you ask whatever you want if you're walking with God. Those things that you ask for will be in line with what he wants, and he'll give you that stuff all the time. Because what he really wants from those of us who follow him is just absolute trust and acceptance of his will. <laughs> Verse 23, and then I'll let you go home. He says it this way. He says, this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. That's that truth part, that faith part. We believe in Jesus and that we love one another. That's that love part, peanut butter and jelly, right? Truth and love. Just as he has commanded us to do. Whoever keeps his commandments of faith and of love abides in God. One more time, let me assure you. You want to know? You keep these commandments. To believe, to love. Then you'll know that you abide in God and God abides in you. Put it one more way, real blunt. <clears throat> keep the faith. Show the love. That's the Christ life. Doubts will come, but in those moments, we trust. We pick up all those doubts by faith and we take them to the Father. And we say, give me your will over mine. I preach these messages and um, we come to the end. My sister comes up and starts to play. Um, you guys get eager for lunch. It's noon, right? Mm. And we kind of walk out of here Sunday after Sunday, many of us, having you know, served many of us and, and having heard many, you know, all of you, uh, everybody online, wherever I'm, I, Here's what I want to do. Five minutes of your life. Five minutes for everybody who's got a doubt to be able to identify it, express it, and receive prayer for it. We got these prayer partners that hang up there out here, and we got the prayer room in the back. I, I post up here after every service, and I know you gotta get you gotta beat the other Baptists before that, you know, whatever. <laughs> but here's the deal. I'm take my glasses off for this one. Here's the deal. Doubts can derail a faith. May seem small right now, but left unprayed for, 
unchallenged, left unwrapped in the faith that God wants you to have. These little doubts that you're experiencing right now can become the doubts that lead you away from the one truth, the one God that you're meant to have life with. And so listen, I'm not saying if you come and pray with me or one of our prayer partners that everything's going to change perfectly today and it's going to be a smooth sailing from here. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not naive. It's not how it usually happens. But what I am saying is that nothing will happen if you just keep doing what you're doing. And if you're not willing to take the time to connect with the one true God and receive from him what he wants to give you, the encouragement to trust in him, to ride alongside of you as you drive your bike through whatever's next. That I don't know if it was the Sunday it was meant to be for your life. So you might just want to pray where you are. In fact, let's do that. I'm being led right now by the Spirit just to give everybody a shot to pray right now by themselves. Okay? If this is a time where you want to identify, confess the doubts of your life and just ask God, God, please, Help me trust you. Help me wrap these doubts in faith. Whatever that is right now, let the Spirit lead you and pray for those things. The altar takes lots of forms. It could be actually walking forward here to church, talk to me or one of our prayer partners. It could be finding someone from your life group who knows what you're going through and you just want to pray with them today. It could be sitting in your car before you start heading out of our parking lot, just praying together as a family, as a couple. I don't know. But just don't miss these opportunities that God gives us to recalibrate, to refocus, to refine, 
our faith and to deal with our doubts. It's important. It's life-changing. It's life-giving. And we need them. Let me pray over you. If you need to come and pray, come and do it. It's five, ten minutes. Let me pray. Lord, thanks for your, your grace to us. Uh, we'll, we'll confess that as you're created uh, in this sin-marred, broken world, we uh, don't know everything that's coming up. We uh, oftentimes uh, feel fear and anger over the circumstances of our lives, and, and those lead us away from you into doubt and discouragement. And God, uh, those, those are real places, real things we've got to deal with, but I thank you that in Christ... Now, you have given us life and life anew. We can have faith in you through him uh, to face whatever life brings. And so help us, God, uh, in the things that we don't understand and the things that we can't control to just wrap uh, any doubts uh, in faith and bring them to you. Help us to trust in you always and lead not on our own understanding. Help us to acknowledge you so that you can lead us in life. That's my prayer. And I pray it in Jesus' name. God bless you. If you want to come and pray, come and do it. Have a great week.